the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, that's generally nice of you, if not a slight exaggeration in some of those points. I'll leave it to you as to which ones. (laughs) Good afternoon. Welcome. 22nd day of July, a Thursday, if you're not keeping track. And uh, if you're not, uh, bully for you. Craig Roberts in your ear as we are... uh, Unleashing before you another edition of Lifeline. Here, of course, in this stead, each Monday through Friday from 5 until 7 p.m., addressing issues that impact your life and your world. Things have settled down a bit more on Wall Street today. Later on in the hour, Pat Vitucci joins us for an update. As you know, it was, um, boy, a bit of a rough going on Monday. We saw the uh, stock markets Go to their lowest point, 700-point loss in one day. Haven't seen that since, my goodness, probably um, October or so of last year. So we get a, a sense of what's going on. A lot of this, no doubt, directly attributable to the resurgence of COVID-19 amongst the unvaccinated. So lots of, uh, lots of news to unpack in tonight's program. We lead off, of course, with what regretfully, sadly, is becoming an annual event along the west coast and i have to say in preparation for our first guest tonight i looked at the united states fire map and all i can tell you is that the west coast from the canadian border virtually down to san diego is just enveloped in a ring of fire and of course some of these fires are are pretty significant and uh, and close in here to the san francisco bay region the dixie fire just uh, 13 miles northeast of Paradise, continues to be extremely active. A satellite image taken at 3 p.m. showed large amounts of heat north and south of Highway 70. At that time, fire moving closer to the communities of Twain, Caribou, and Paxton. Let's get a look at not just the fires, but the challenge in fighting the fires. Lynn Tolmikoff joins us, public information officer with Cal Fire. Lynn, thank you so much in the midst of the busyness to... um, Spend a moment with us. Give us a bit of an update right now in terms of uh, where the biggest danger is and how challenging are some of these fires, particularly in light of what we're seeing with not only them beginning to kind of create their own weather, but along with these extremely parched weather conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Very parched weather conditions is is definitely the best description we have. And we've been seeing these type of weather conditions since uh, May and June. Uh, well, we don't normally don't have that, and and we haven't seen the snowpack and the rainfall. Uh, the snowpack up up in the hills, which we would normally see, is something that would have possibly prevented the Tamarack fire from getting to the size that it is. But uh, you know, unfortunately, we just didn't see that this year, so uh, it's allowing these fires to grow um, larger, more rapidly, and. Uh, both the two large fires burning in California right now are proving that it's just going to be a very difficult season. 
All right, let's get a look at exactly where things stand. I made first reference to the Dixie Fire um, up northeast of Paradise. Boy, of course, this region two years ago got a wallop uh, of an impact. Where do things stand right now, and what is the percentile of, uh, of containment, or is there one yet? Yeah, so uh, on the Dixie Fire, now this report is from this morning uh, after they did, did some mapping last night, just over 100 and uh, almost 104,000 acres, actually, 17% contained, although I've been watching the smoke today, and it's it's uh, looking like it's growing quite a bit, so we'll see what the, uh, the evening update has. I expect it to have grown quite a bit. All right, that's uh, that's not good news, but uh, you know we have to uh, deal with this as it all moves along. Let's uh, let's look too then, if we can, at a couple of the other ones here. Uh, in addition, of course, to the Dixie Fire, the Tamarack Fire. Uh, now, last count I read, that would have been late yesterday. We were looking at about fifty thousand acres. Um, any progress there, and and where are we at in terms of moving the needle in the containment direction? Yeah, the Tamarack actually, uh, like if it's uh, right around 50,000, probably get another update this evening. Um, they are not showing any containment on that fire as of yet. It's in a much more remote area, so it's uh, a lot more challenging to try to fight and get some uh, containment lines around that fire. You know, we always hear things, uh, Lynn, about, well, we need to do more when it comes to forest management, things of this sort. Of course, you know, e easier said than done when we're talking about tens of millions of acres, uh, particularly when we add along the West Coast between California, Oregon, and the state of Washington. And, and I would suppose from a practical standpoint, uh, the idea of being able to go in and do any really significant effective, quote-unquote, forest management is a bit of a challenge, particularly given the fact that so much of this territory is not actually under California's responsibility, but rather uh, under the, 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 uh, the, the National Forest Service. Uh, that's, that's true. And, and, you know, as for the state, for Cal Fire, we work with our partners, um, uh, our federal partners, the U.S. Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management and such, um, to try to do the best that we can for our forests and the lands of California. But you hit it on the nose. There's, you know, millions of acres in this state. And um, with those millions of acres, there's millions of people living here, too. So there's, you know, there's potential for fires. There's the perfect landscape for these fires. Um, and just the, the Mediterranean influence climate that we see in California, along with these droughts, uh, leads to fire. So there's a lot of factors that play into that. But, you know, we try uh, the best we can every year to, to make the decisions on where we might need to do some uh, snow breaks or some prescribed fires. Uh, and then, of course, taking care of the forest. That's another big one. You have a healthy forest, it's more likely to be able to withstand wildfire. Of course, uh, the big component that we haven't touched on, Lynn, and it is the human component that, you know, a lot of this, to be sure, in terms of uh, the impact of uh, drought cycles and uh, the dry weather that we're experiencing right now, uh, you know, some of the broader issues notwithstanding, we don't have a lot of control over that. People doing dumb things like lighting campfires and forgetting to make sure that they're snuffed out or using a lawnmower in dry weeds, dry grass where there's no spark arrester. A lot of these fires historically, at least in recent years, haven't they largely, aside from maybe the ones um, attributable to a dry lightning, have largely been man-made? Yeah, exactly. And honestly, anything that is 
not a lightning to us is considered man-made because even if it's, say, a power line cause, which we've seen a lot also, um, the power lines wouldn't be there if it wasn't for man. So that is considered a man-made um, a cause also. Um, and, yes, we do. We see a majority of the fires in California um, caused by some sort of human influence, and, and that's the frustrating part. Um, the lightning fires tend to be few and far between, although last year we did see uh, a huge lightning siege with 13,000 lightning strikes, um, which was very unusual for the state, especially that time of the year. Um, so there's definitely a more human factor to it, for sure, and with 40 million people living in the state, that's a lot of opportunity for wildfire. So we need to really take this seriously and, and all do our part. I, I got to ask one one parting question because there's been some debate on this topic uh, sort of around the water cooler uh, since late June. And that is that in so many parts of the state, we have people celebrating the 4th of July seemingly nonstop and doing so with fireworks. I have to wonder from a broader degree, and again, I, Lynn, this may be outside of your uh, your pay grade as the saying goes, but I, I'm just curious whether or not Cal Fire has taken a position. Are we ever going to arrive at the point where we say, look, we love to celebrate America's independence and uh, professionally controlled uh, fireworks set off by an expert in, in uh, pyrotechnics? are probably okay, but the ones that you buy at the pop-up stand down by the grocery store, uh, along with, of course, all the illegal fireworks that make their way in from China every year, we just have to say that's it, no more. There's just way too much at risk. Has Cal Fire taken a position on any of that yet? You know, it is. It's very hard to take, um, you know, to take something like that that people enjoy so much away from them um, and having that control. Um, we do very much encourage people to go to professional shows to watch those because, honestly, they're better than anything you could bring home and, and do, uh, you know, in the street in front of your home. So uh, we definitely encourage that. As far as controlling um, the influx of illegal fireworks into California, we, we definitely have interdictions every year right around the 4th of July to try to, um, to catch those people trying to be, bring in fireworks illegally into California. And every year we confiscate thousands of pounds of illegal fireworks, and yet it doesn't seem to be enough. We still get more that get past us. Um, so it is definitely very challenging. And as far as the safe and sane fireworks go that we sell, um, you know, we kind of let the counties and cities control the sales of those. Um, and it, it, it seems to work better, and the fireworks are a little bit safer. Uh, so our struggle is definitely uh, probably more so with the illegal fireworks that, uh, that are brought in uh, from out of state. All right, fair enough. Well, I know I'm certainly going to irk a number of my listeners when I say I love fireworks, love to celebrate the 4th of July, but I think when we look at the extreme risk to life, to limb, and to both public and private property, as well as the risk that firefighters take in having to deal with thousands of fires across the state um, during a so-called uh, firework season, maybe it's high time we consider coming up with a safer way to celebrate it, or again, as I suggested a moment ago, leave the fireworks in the hands of the professionals. Lynn, I appreciate so much your time, your colleagues. I know that uh, there's tremendous sacrifice and, and, and risk of life in uh, working to put these fires out and protect the rest of us, and we sure appreciate the hard work that you and all of your team are doing. Lynn Tolmakoff, she is a public information officer with CAL FIRE. Be safe, beware, and if you live in an area that's, that's near the hills, that's near any open land, make sure that you've got the appropriate 
clearing behind your home, any structures on your property, a good 15, 20 feet. Just clear it out, get rid of rubbish, make sure that your house is defensible and take all the necessary steps you can to not only protect your family, protect your property, and protect our brave firefighters as well. All right, at 517, we pause for an update on traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. Always happy to join us on the program, even if it comes as a total surprise to him. Oops, <laughs> and I've told you never to call me at that number. <laughs> Oh, dear. Even if it comes as a total surprise to him, always pleased to have the financial insights and expertise provided by one Pat Vitucci. Pat, of course, has been a 30-plus year money manager here in the San Francisco Bay region, helped tens of thousands of people across the Bay Area, including a lot of KFAX listeners, understand how to best invest their money, Hi. to do so wisely, to prepare for the future. And uh, Pat, great. Gee, haven't talked to you in years. How are the wife and kids? And uh, <laughs> thanks for being with us tonight. No, it's been about been about six hours. What's new with you? Uh, yeah, nothing. Yeah, well, let's see. Let me tell you what I had for lunch. <laughs> hey, Pat, let's take a moment to talk about the markets today. It, it was, a, of course, a, a bit of a rough start to the week. Things are beginning to settle down a little bit. Uh, tell us exactly how did things wrap up and what do we make of it all? Yeah, it's been a really a big roller coaster ride this week. The Dow is dropping uh, 700 points. Points in the in, on Monday, pretty much making up for Tuesday, Wednesday, down a couple hundred points today. Nasdaq, uh, another one point rise, so another record on the Nasdaq, ninety nine point rise there. So it, it, it a lot of conflicting signals coming coming in. It's a it's a potpourri of news, um, you know, with with um, the Biden administration talking about increases and yet. Um, we continue to get companies and uh Oop, did we lose you there? Yeah, I think we might have Pat going through a tunnel here. Um, uh, but you you made reference to Pat, if you can still hear me, you made reference uh, just a second ago to uh, COVID. And we know certainly that there seems to be some jitters on Wall Street looking at this huge spike of the Delta variant, particularly amongst unvaccinated populations across the United States. How much of that, in your opinion, could put a wet blanket on this recovery as we've been enthusiastic to get back out on the road, back to restaurants, going on vacations, getting on airplanes, things of this sort, feeling some sense of normalcy for the first time in, my goodness, almost a year and a half. Could this Delta variant and fear of same put a significant damper on that Main Street recovery? Yeah, it certainly could. We we, we would we would uh, really have a terrible time getting back into masking and restaurant closings. Uh, all those issues would really uh, have a giant negative effect, and, and that's what the the market is trying to read the tea leaves of where this this variant uh, COVID is going. And so we'll, we'll we won't get a clear consensus uh, probably for another couple of weeks. Of, Maybe, maybe a month away. And then, of course, flu season is upon us pretty soon. And so the question is, what does that do to 
our attitudes about getting together socially and uh, wearing masks and not getting down. And what's been remarkable about all of this, and I know that you've talked about this on your own radio program, Don't Invest and Forget, which, by the way, for the benefit of listeners, can be heard here in the San Francisco Bay Area on our sister station, Business Radio 1220 KDOW, that's Saturday mornings at 8 a.m., and a reprise broadcast Monday nights at 6 p.m. And as you've discussed this very topic, Pat, there, there's been an interesting anomaly here in sort of discovering just how resilient this market has proven itself to be, unlike the last significant impact we saw on the markets back in 2009 with the housing market derivative collapse. And it took, you know, literally months and months and months and months and months, years for us to kind of climb back out of that. And yet this particular event, potentially even more significant in so much as it, it literally affected all of the country. And yet we've seen little, if any, prolonged impact on Wall Street. Should folks planning for retirement derive any sense of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, satisfaction or, or security out of that? Or do we still need to be cautious with the notion that, you know, while we might have kind of dodged the bullet this time, some other event could take place to which Wall Street may not bounce back quite so easily? Yeah, we've just come off uh, what, we, what we've been calling COVID-friendly stocks. And so the, the Amazons of the world, uh, Apples of the world, uh, Home Depot, we're staying home, working on our homes. We're now potentially working out of those COVID-friendly back into COVID-unfriendly sectors. So it's a real question of rotating to different sectors of the economy, large companies, small companies, mid-sized and then you look at specific industries that will enjoy uh, a robust rebound. And um, you've got to really look at where you've been and where you think you should be for the next quarter or two. We talk about don't invest them forget. I think this is a, this is a uh, seminal moment in, in reallocating, readjusting where your, your portfolio is invested and look forward to the next quarter or two and, and placing your money in those sectors of the economy that, that you think will be more participative given the, uh, the uh, cycle that we're in coming out of this COVID issue. Of course, the challenge there is it really takes a deft touch in learning how to kind of read the tea leaves that this is not so much about, you know, uh, in the old days, you might have gotten a stock market tick from, uh, you know, a cube mate or an uncle or something. They would tell you, well, gee, you know, XYZ Railroad seems to be okay and probably make a little bit of money there. Those times have changed. And this whole approach to investing now really necessitates a sense of forward looking because what happened in the past, as the old warnings go, is not indicative of future performance. So with that idea in mind, how can Vitucci and Associates help people retiring, managing their 401k, heading toward retirement, whatever their dreams might be, how can you help them best manage those dollars with that consistent forward-thinking approach to make sure that we're ahead of the curve as opposed to behind the eight ball? Well, really, really the, there's a real big need to develop a, a roadmap to where you want to be. And we have a, a really good comprehensive financial plan that we, we drill down and 
not only look at the numbers, Craig, but you really have to look at what are your legacy plans? What do you want to do when you retire? Keep in mind, 50% of retirees flunk out of retirement. They just don't adjust well, and they go out and get a part-time job or, or do something else. So it really is a, a, a big planning issue that certainly the, the numbers speak for themselves. You're either prepared financially or you're not. But then what about the non-financial issues? What are you going to do with, you, with, with, your, with, your, with your day? And so when, when folks visit us in any one of our 14 Bay Area offices, we, we certainly look at the numbers and, and look at all your assets and your liabilities. What's your monthly nut? We also want to ask, you know, what do you want to do in retirement? So there's the whole planning issue, uh, and, and there's a whole variety of, you know, things to do. People want to travel want to visit the grandkids, they want to go to Europe, they want to go to Hawaii, or they want to sit on the couch and watch soap operas. And all those issues require all different set of uh, financial uh, uh, commitments, and uh, we kind of help guide those folks through that retirement uh, uh, decision-making. And it's different for every one of us. Craig, we all have different ideas of what we want to do in retirement. Some people, guess what? Don't want to retire. They love their job. They love the, the socialization. They, they certainly like the income. So it, it's, a, it's a variety of, of decision-making between, between both parties if you're married. And guess what? Sometimes mama wants to do this, go in this direction, and, and papa wants to go in that direction. So we've got to, we've got to like all good marriages, we compromise. And uh, we need to evaluate a different set of priorities uh, once you give up that 40 or 50 hour work. So, again, there's a lot to navigate when it comes to when do you retire, what resources do you need, how do you manage both your income and your expenses upon retirement, what are the right choices for you on the pathway to retirement. If you want to get some insights, Pat Vitucci and the offices of Vitucci and Associates, the entire team available to help you. That initial consultation, by the way, without cost or obligation, and you can have it in the privacy of your own home via Zoom or telephone or you can certainly uh, come into one of the uh, Bay Area offices of Vitucci and Associates, whatever you feel most convenient and comfortable with. No cost or obligation. An hour to at least get a second opinion as to where you stand today, where you'd like to be at retirement, and just what the progress looks like along the way. To schedule your complimentary appointment, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com, or you can call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. And guaranteed, Pat will answer your call even when he's not expecting you to call. Just don't try it at 2 a.m. Might be a little difficult then, but any other time, <laughs> be my guest. Our thanks to Pat Fatucci for that update. Again, his program, Don't Invest and Forget, heard Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock on our sister station, AM 1220 KDOW, the Bay Area's business leader. You're in tune with AM 1100 KFAX, not to confuse you. Craig Roberts on a Thursday night. We are here in this chair, by golly, every Monday through Friday-ish. 
<laughs> from 5 until 7 p.m. as we have for low these 32 years taking a look at issues that impact your life and your world. We're going to continue to do just that. Coming up next, Dr. John Belt, senior pastor at the New St. Missionary Baptist Church, joins us to talk a bit about what is going on in the church today. All that and more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. There is a new Gallup poll out that is as revealing as it is disturbing. And I must say that while perhaps within the Christian community, Gallup doesn't carry quite the weight that, say, a George Barna poll does, um, because Barna more specifically uh, specializes in, uh, in in religious polling. But nevertheless, Gallup has a long, long history and is quite reputable. So I, I think that the evidence that has returned back from their, uh, their polling uh, is at least worth taking a look at and certainly worth having a discussion over. As the pandemic eases, of course, we have to now put a qualifier in there, as we hope the pandemic eases. America's perception of religion and its influence on society has yet again changed. It has, in fact, dropped to below pre-pandemic levels. Now, um, early in the pandemic, we're talking April of 2020, um, there was a, uh, a peak. In fact, we saw the highest rate uh, to get numbers equivalent to this. You had to go all the way back to 2001, when at that time, right after the 9-11 event, fully 71% of Americans said that religion had a very important and positive influence on society. Well, now, to flip that statistic on its head, 82% of U.S. adults, according to this new Gallup poll, say that religion is losing its influence. That, as I say, is up from 58% in April of last year. The highest peak, 2001, 71%. You have to go all the way back to 1958 to find the next highest peak at 69%. So what is driving America's perception that religion in general, and perhaps Christianity more in specific, is losing its influence? And if that be the case, do we need as believers to hold up the mirror and ask ourselves, why? Talking about growing a strong, vibrant church and certainly putting a focus on the critical importance of that vibrant church to discipleship is a big part of the ministry of my next guest. He is not only a guest on this program from time to time, but can be heard every Wednesday morning at 5 o'clock as he speaks God's Word for Men Today. He is the senior pastor of the New St. Missionary Baptist Church in Oakley, uh, New St. Paul Missionary Baptist Church in Oakley, and we're always delighted to have with us on the program Dr. John Belt. Pastor, as always, thanks so much for making some time for us. Well, Craig, it's an honor to be with you, and um, thank you so much for inviting me. I, it's, it's it's humbling because there are a lot of other pastors and teachers, um, instructors that know a lot more than I do, but I'm, I'm honored to, to be with you at any time. Well, we appreciate not only your spirit and your heart, 
Um, but as as you and I have shared in private conversations, and I'll put this out over the radio, um, the gentleman who was your pastor, your mentor for many, many years, Dr. C.J. Anderson, was a personal friend. And, of course, uh, KFAX listeners know that uh, uh, Carl Anderson had a radio program on KFAX Sunday nights for decades on this radio station until he went home to be with the Lord. And uh, knowing what uh, a, a, a staunch, powerful preacher he was and how important proper, appropriate theology was to Dr. Anderson, we know that uh, that you, you you grew up with some pretty powerful and, and very positive influence, and, and, uh, and clearly it rubbed off on you. So we, we appreciate, as I say, uh, Dr. Belt, your, uh, your passion for the gospel, your love for God's church, and most importantly, your, your heartbeat to help uh, develop disciples and encourage those disciples to go and to make other disciples. And I want to spend a moment talking about that topic in, in, in the context of the Gallup poll that I referred to a moment ago. And, mm-hmm. and I have to wonder, as you hear those numbers, and I realize that from time to time we need to take such information with a grain of salt, but at the same token, holding up that mirror to ask ourselves, can we, should we, could we, as the church, be doing a better job both in terms of our testimony and most importantly in the ways in which we influence the world around us. What do you say to that and to these numbers of yet again another drop in that sense of confidence of the general public having in the influence of the church today? Wow. Um, let me first respond to, to your directly to your question, which is yes, yes, the church should be doing more. The church is not in, in its totality. We're not doing as much and it's reflected in, in those numbers. And yet, the, the other half of that is that the other thing that's reflected in those numbers is the, is the Bible, because the Bible says these, in the last days, that there would be a great falling away. That's specifically what it says. So understand that with the falling away, we're not as engaged ourselves because we're falling away. And, and so then... Because the Bible also says in the last days, dangerous times would come and men would be more lovers of themselves, more than lovers of God, which reflected in the generation. And the topic, I mean, this is such a huge topic. Sometimes as in our district associations and our conventions, we're having some of these discussions um, because we're oftentimes time to figure out what we should do better and how we can actually target our message. And, and so what I would first of all tell you is that this is something that we talk about at our church every week. It's not a week that goes by that we're not talking about this exact subject one way or another, whether it's through the sermon or whether it's in our Bible study on Tuesday evenings. It's exactly the same thing. And the problem, one of the, one of the greatest issues here is that as believers— we become very laxed. There's no question about it. And the the pandemic did not help because for a lot of us, especially baby boomers, let's talk about that because the baby boomers are the ones who affect and are the greatest contributors to what's going on right now. And so baby boomers, um, for a lot of us, Going to church was what gave us our direction and kind of helped, was kind of like the yoke that kind of kept us going in the right direction. Well, for a lot of baby boomers, once church doors closed, then after the first 30 to 60 days of withdrawal, let's put it that way, 
then people began to kind of settle into it. And as I talked to a number of pastors, that we haven't recovered from that. There's a lot of people, first of all, that are just fearful and don't want to 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 endanger themselves and loved ones, their family because of the pandemic. There's a whole other group that's just happy being at home now. And because we've had to work hard to to bring worship virtually more than just the mega churches now, even those the small churches, even the house churches, if you will, are, are now have have virtual worship, then you know what people have decided, well, gosh, I don't even have to inconvenience myself. I can do that. But there's a whole a whole portion of this that we're missing as believers. We come together as believers because we pour into each other. The, the, the pastor, teacher pours into us. We pour into one another because we all come from different parts of the world. We all come from different economies. We come from different situations, different socioeconomical situations. And, and there is someone going through what I have been through. And Brother Clinton, there is someone that's going through what you have been through. So you have this, we don't see it as a, as a responsibility. We more or less see it as a right, but we have a responsibility to come together, which is why Paul told us not to, not to forsake congregating. We have a responsibility because it's more than just coming together to praise God and worship the Lord. It is that Paul is constantly telling us that we're supposed to encourage one another. Well, I'm so glad that you touched on that, Dr. Belt, because that that passage that you loosely referred to in Hebrews 10, uh, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know, Scripture mm-hmm. always needs mm-hmm. to be looked at in terms of That's the correct. context. Who did the That's writing? Correct. To whom was it being written? What were the circumstances which prompted this writing? What was going on in the community, uh, again, from both the sending and receiving side? And the interesting thing about this is, and I think it, it must sadden the heart of the Lord, because yes, for a season during the height of the pandemic, it was necessary in order to protect, especially some of the most vulnerable amongst us, our, our, our seniors, that it was just not a good idea until we understood more about this COVID pandemic to be meeting together. And so many churches, yours included, moved to alternate means of being able to reach congregation members and went to the internet and doing radio and, and other methodologies so that you could meet virtually. But I find it interesting that during the time that Paul was writing in this book to the Hebrews, the, the, the exhortation to not forsake the gathering of ourselves was during a period of time when, quite frankly, in many parts of Rome, in many parts of the world, if you got caught gathering together as a bunch of Christians, you were likely going to be arrested, hauled off to jail, and probably never heard of again. It's the opposite sense. We stayed away from church because we didn't want to run the risk of losing our life because we were vulnerable as human beings. And here Paul is saying, even with the risk of arrest, jail time, and yes, maybe even, maybe even losing your life, do not forsake the assembling of your yourselves coming together. And that importance of the exhortation that you just touched on is just, it means everything. And you just can't get it from the far end of a, a, a internet connection on a computer monitor, can you? Brother Belt, did we lose you? I think we lost him. I think he was so overwhelmed by that observation that he's speechless. <laughs> or we have a technical thing going on. My, my, my guess is it's more technically related. 
I tell you what, uh, Nate, let's do this. We're going to take this opportunity to do a little uh, a quick update on some traffic here. Uh, we can't do that. Uh, I can sing for you. You want me to do that until you get uh, Dr. Belt back on the line? Ever a doubt? Of, okay, please do, he says. <laughs> There's ever a doubt about the uh, the uh, pitfalls of doing radio without a uh, safety net here on the high wire. While he was talking. Ah, there you go. Okay, well, we had to put another nickel, apparently, in the slot, Dr. Belt. <laughs> so let me let me uh, pass that baton back over to you, if I might. That that notion, I, hopefully you heard most of what I said just in relationship to uh, Hebrews 10.25 and the idea that even with the risk that many believers had in gathering together because they could be jailed and arrested for being Christians and oftentimes, especially in Rome, might even lose your life to do so, and yet Paul... It, emphasize the importance of us coming together and how critical that sense of, of, of iron sharpening iron and that individual exhortation that doesn't happen when you're seated at the far end of a computer monitor. You are so, so correct. Um, I think one of the things that we have to come to grips with, and there is a lot of disagreement about this, let me put that out there, first of all, that what we what we encountered in March of last year, the whole pandemic thing, is more than just a world crisis. See, once you embrace the idea that the pandemic is God allowed as a plague, and never before, I actually did a lot of studying to try to find out when. Do you know that in all of the other pandemics that we have ex- that we have experienced around the world? global pandemics. Not, not one happened in which all the church doors were mandated closed. Around the world. Wow. None of them. Wow. This is the first one. And, and, and it's not... Believers know that there's no such thing as a coincidence. So you have to know that the Lord himself has been speaking. But because we don't look at the world through the lens of the Word then we miss many of the things that we are seeing. So for, for a lot of us, it was just about getting back to normal. Well, when you actually look at it, what was normal? Because what we called normal was abnormal then. And so as time starts to roll up, our whole attitude and our whole approach has to be different. When I mentioned uh, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 10, if you actually look at that, what Paul says before that is, he says that we need to hold fast, hold hard the profession of our faith without wavering. And then he says, let us consider one another, and then we need to provoke one another to good works. And then he says, don't, for, don't, for, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves. There is a whole, there's a, a lot to unpack there. There is the responsibility as believers to be support for believers. But if you look at it right now, believers are, we are as engaged in politics, sometimes more in politics than we are in preaching. There is a gospel that message that needs to get out, and it is the gospel that changes men. Make no mistake about it, that'll never change. The timetable has been moved up because the world shifted last year. And I don't yeah, believe and I think believers actually saw that. 
No, I think you're right. And I think that there's a, a fundamental lack of understanding of a sense of urgency here, because if anything that the pandemic has taught us, it is a reminder that we're dealing with real life and death circumstances, that people are facing eternity, uh, not on a timetable that any of us prescribe. I mean, we'd all love to say, think I'll live till 93 spend my last dime, go to sleep and not wake up. Yeah, that's the plan. Well, we don't get a vote in that. And so circumstances in life may oftentimes dictate that the timing isn't of ours. And so then the question is, you need to constantly be ready to be vigilant. Um, and if you're going to do so, then uh, grappling with the question of my relationship with God, eternity, all of those questions need to be addressed. And, and I think you're right. One of the sad things that we've seen here in recent years um, has been this steady march where we seem to have put on our priority list uh, loyalty to country or loyalty to party before loyalty to scripture and loyalty to the God that saves and that we serve. And uh, the last time I noticed, th there's nothing in Scripture that says, be prepared when you get to the gates of heaven. The first question will be asked is, what party affiliation do you have? No, the question will be asked is, is your name written in the Lamb's in the book. book of Life? That's the only registration we need to be worried about. But sadly, oftentimes we act as if that is the least important when in God's economy, that, in fact, is not only the most important, it's the only one that's important in the final analysis. That is, that is spot on. That is spot on, Brother Roberts, because, listen, if we actually have our name in the Lamb Book of Life, if we have a personal relationship with Christ, then you know what? Our relationship will dictate our politics. If that's right. That's Okay, and, and, and then our politics really just become a reflection of our lifestyle. Yeah, and boy, these days, that uh, that really speaks volumes, if that be the case. And we know, sadly, that, uh, you know, there, there seems to be a larger percentile of people that wish to wear their politics boldly on their sleeve and keep quiet about their religion. And yet, in doing so, failing to share the good news, to provide that hope, that a lost and dying world so desperately seeks and needs um, really then puts the culpability squarely on the fit of the church. You know, I, I, Dr. Belt, if it were up to me, and let's all thank God that it wasn't, but if it were up to me, I might come up with a better way or a different way, I should say, for all of this to roll out. I, I don't know if I would have said, okay, you 12, you're going to be responsible after I go to set up your mansion in heaven. You're going to be responsible for disseminating the good news. I, I might have picked a gr different group of people or done it a bit differently, but God in his wisdom knows. And here we sit all of these millennia later as literally the, the offspring of that original group of 12. And it really lies with us to continue this process of going into all the world, preaching the gospel, declaring the good news, and, and to do so in making disciples. And yet, sadly, we've kind of fallen away from that as our first order. And I have to wonder, in your opinion, Dr. Belt, based on the fact that people say, Dr. Belt, I'm raising kids, I got a job, I'm so busy, I got so much going on. Now you're telling me, in addition to all of that, paying my taxes too, I need to be at church on Sunday and then conduct family Bible studies and disciple my children. It's just too much. What do you say to that attitude? Well, what I would say to that is this. 
if you're married and you don't have time for your marriage, then your marriage will disintegrate. So you have to put time into it. Follow where I'm going. So it's no different than your relationship with Christ. If you put your relationship with Christ, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of, of God is in you. Okay? He says, and his righteousness, his way, he said, and then all these other things will be added so that he will help prioritize, he will then help systematize, he will also help care for and preserve everything else that's, in, that's important to you. Jesus says, your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these other things. But it takes a true relationship and not just a trek in religiosity to actually cause you to put things in the proper perspective and see that Christ has to be first. I can say this from experience. You know, if you, if you ask my wife, if you call my son or my daughter, they will tell you that, that the Lord is first. But you know what? He has taken care of and has and has blessed my family richly simply because, not because I do so well, because I fall short in so many ways, but His grace makes up the difference, and I have kept Him first. That is what our, our parents knew. That's what we know, but that's not what we propagate to our children, because now we as baby boomers, a lot of us say, I'm not going to teach my children, I'm not going to graze my children like my parents grazed me. That is one of the most cardinal, greatest cardinal sins you could commit, because God said, keep it ever before them, write it, on the t- write it on the doorpost, tell them when they go out, tell them when they come in, and we have a responsibility to do what he says, but nowadays we're so smart, we believe that, that the Bible is just another book of philosophies that is a little outdated. Yeah, and when you come to the understanding that we're to train up a child... And to use that Bible as the guidebook for all things, that it is valuable for encouragement, for reproof, for exhortation, and that this is really a tool that the Lord has given us. And to deny that or ignore that or treat it as less than it is does indeed come with consequences. So much more to talk about. I want to invite you to check out Dr. Belt's radio broadcast heard again Wednesday mornings at 5 a.m. You're an early riser. You can catch this. He's got a podcast, too. You can find that at uh, kfax.com. You can get more information about his church and ministry. If you like the straightforward, no-nonsense style of preaching and teaching God's unadulterated word, then we invite you to check out New St. John Missionary Baptist Church in Oakley. Your personal invitation available with more details on the web at newstpaul.church. That's newstpaul.church. And again, New St. Paul Missionary Baptist Church in Oakley. Service times again available at their website at newstpaul.church. And the radio broadcast, God's Word for Men Today, Heard each Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. You know what some guys do? I hear they get together and they do a accountability men's prayer group. Listen to the radio broadcast as a means of their Bible, as a means of their Bible study. Discuss it, have a little breakfast, then go off to work. Not a great idea. Check it out. God's word for men today. Again, Wednesday mornings, 5 a.m. here on KFAX. And uh, anytime you're invited to, uh, if you're looking for a new church home or new to the Bay Area or want to get plugged back in again, do so at New St. Paul Missionary Baptist Church in Oakley on the web at newstpaul.church. 
6 o'clock from KFAX San Francisco. And our thanks to Dr. John Belt for being with us. And we thank traffic that we can get through it and at least know what the road ahead looks like. <laughs> you ever thankful for traffic? I'm thankful we get through it, I guess. <laughs> Here's the latest now from the KFAX Traffic Center.